Welcome, food lovers. This is the Field to Fork podcast, where we get to know the people and processes that play an essential role in building a vibrant, sustainable, and inclusive local food economy. I'm your host, Keith Bacon. Field to Fork is sponsored by Charlie's Produce, delivering fresh ideas and fresh produce for over 40 years with a passion for quality products and a commitment to pushing beyond the boundaries of possibility to get good food to good people. Learn more about the ways that Charlie's Produce is cultivating fresh by visiting their website, charliesproduce.com. Field to Fork is also brought to you by Seattle Restaurant Week, a program of Seattle Good Business Network. This biannual dining promotion is a unique opportunity to support Greater Seattle's culinary community, celebrating diversity, resilience, and fantastic food with over 200 participating restaurants. In this episode of Field to Fork, we head down to the Green River Valley in Kent, where over 50 years ago, two brothers turned a passion for growing pumpkins into a beloved local farm destination that encompasses over 800 acres of farmland. In part one of our interview with Carpenito Brothers co-founder Mike Carpenito, we'll learn about the personal history of his homegrown business, the importance and appeal of locally farmed produce for consumers, including restaurants, the challenges facing this family-owned business, and how they've written their own success story. Tell me about the history of Carpenito Brothers. How and when did it start? Well, Carpenito Brothers started many years ago when my brother and I were young, I guess in junior high age. Mm-hmm. We started growing pumpkins. My father had us grow pumpkins right in our main office location. We sold them on the side of the road. And we probably started the first year with a quarter acre of pumpkins and went to a half acre. And then that led to three acres to 10 acres and so on. By the time we were out of high school, we probably had 15 acres of pumpkins we grew. Wow. We And we sold them wholesale and, and also on the side of the road. That was the earliest history of Carpenito Brothers. Then in the 70s, we'd put up a little building to uh, sell some other farm products. We were, by, the, by 72, 73, we were growing some other things, corn, cabbage, squash, and we did some seasonal things. In 73, I think we put up our first building that brought in other products, such as Eastern Washington products, local strawberries, things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's got to start way back in the late 60s, middle 60s when we were in school, Mm -hmm. and that's how it started. And farming was in the background of our families years ago. Both sides of the family were farmers in Italy, going back at the early 1910, 1920s, when they came from Italy. They were farmers in Italy. They were farmers in South Seattle. Up until early 50s, both grandparents were done farming at that point. And my brother and I had it in our blood to continue doing it, apparently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you remember the biggest squash or pumpkin you've ever grown? That's something that we used to compete at the Puyallup Fair with Uh large squash and large pumpkins. And now the large pumpkins are really, those big 1,000-pound, 1,500-pound pumpkins are really a squash. They're not a star-shaped stem on those. A true pumpkin has a star-shaped stem, not a round, soft stem like a squash. Mm -hmm. The largest pumpkin we ever grew was about six, eight years ago. We grew a, a, a true pumpkin, 
144 pounds. Wow. Yeah, that, and we never entered it into a punk, a true pumpkin way off, but that pumpkin would be, would have been bigger than the state record. Yeah. How could you enter it? How would you get it there? To be involved in a competition like that, we would have had to go look for that unrelated to a harvest time. We went and, we went out and harvested that because we were harvesting those big pumpkins. Mm-hmm. We had a variety of pumpkin that grew big and there was a lot of 80 pounders, but every once in a while we get one over a hundred. Wow. And we found this one, 144 pounds. That's a big pumpkin <laughs> for a star shaped stem. And in a squash, when we were little kids, we used to grow what we call Seattle Hubbards. They were a, a green Hubbard that got big mm-hmm. and you don't see those around anymore, but we used to get those up to 151 pounds. The biggest I ever seen was 151 pounds. Wow. That was the the competition of the day at this Puyallup Fair was who could grow the biggest squash, oh. more importantly than anything. And there was quite a competition. <laughs> and as a young kid, my grandfather and I planned for that every fall. How fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did you ever win? We did, many times. I don't remember exactly the pumpkin or the squash that we won with the the last one but i know i've seen those squash up to 151 pounds of that old seattle hubbard that we could we made them grow <laughs> on your website there's a photo of you and your brother from 1963 with a huge something or other maybe it's that that squash that we don't see yeah. around much anymore yeah that was about i think that particular squash was 124 pounds and I was probably in the eighth grade when that picture was taken, (laughs) (laughs) or thereabouts, something like that. Yeah, I did not recognize that particular kind of squash, but it looked big enough to be one of those body-snatching pods from a science fiction movie or something. Yeah, that was called, they were Green Hubbard, and the nickname for them was Seattle Hubbard. There was another form of Green Hubbard that got 30 pounds, but this one... I think is a lost variety. I haven't seen one of those grow in many years. About how many employees do you have today and how many of them are family members? Well, there's a, a couple hundred employees. The family members consist of basically my son and my brother's four sons and myself and my brother. That's it for the family members. Farming, clearly, it's been an intergenerational thing. It's been in your blood. You've been in the farming business your whole life? Yes. Did you ever at any time imagine yourself doing something different? Not really. I wanted to be a commercial fisherman at one point, but Mm -hmm. everybody's got wanderlust. It's like some people want to be a fireman. Right. May never get there, but they wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be a commercial fisherman. That always intrigued me. And I didn't get to do that. Maybe it's a good thing. And so we, I outgrew that. And that, that's the only thing I ever wanted to do is be a farmer. Yeah. The, the first thing I ever said that I wanted to be when I was a little kid was a, a sanitation worker because I thought it'd be fun to ride around on the back of a truck all day. <laughs> there you go. Did you get ever do that? I've done it, but not on a garbage truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. How many different varieties of produce do you grow throughout the year these days? I bet we have 40 different crops here on, on the farm at Carpenito Brothers. You know, our main items are all the lettuce items. We grow all the kinds of lettuce, mm-hmm. including butter lettuce. We grow uh, all the greens, including... Uh, Lacinato kale, collards, mustard, the chards, both chards. Spinach is a big crop. 
cilantro is a big crop, cabbage, red cabbage, savoy cabbage, probably five different kinds of squash, uh, half a dozen kinds of peppers we grow, and broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, which is just starting to harvest now. Mm -hmm. So we're involved, if you count them all up, there's probably 35 or 40 varieties of things around here that we do. Wow, that's a lot. It is a lot. We're going to talk about some specific crops in a minute, but I'm curious first just about farming in the Kent Valley where you are. What are some of the advantages of farming in your area? One of the advantages, we're close to the markets. We uh, do business, a great amount of business with Charlie's Produce. Mm -hmm. Charlie's Produce is 15 miles away. We delivered to a couple of their warehouses right close here. Mm -hmm. And that's beneficial. We're close to the market. We're probably the closest commercial farm to the Seattle market now. How did the partnership with Charlie's Produce come about, and what did that mean for Carpenito Brothers? It came about when Charlie's hired away a produce buyer by the name of Alan Benezra years ago from Cisco Foods. And Alan was a very talented produce buyer, could retain a lot, and remembered the seasons, remembered the products during the season. And he was very good. And when he went to Charlie's, he brought us with him as a grower. And the partnership has expanded on since those days, over 30 years ago. Why do you think it's important to have a local food economy? I think it's important for the consumers to have a presence. If, you, if you're a consumer and you never see a farm that's not a good thing. You want to see where your you want to have an idea where your food might come from. I believe that a, a local farm that can produce a good amount of good local products, the consumers will eat more produce, which I maintain is always better for the consumers. And the um, consumer does a lot of different things now. There's agritourism, which is close mm -hmm. and that helps when you're within 30 miles of a farm that produces an agritourism environment. That's uh, that people come to those now, mm -hmm. and along with that, the fresh vegetables and pumpkins and corn and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you have you noticed when people are coming into your farm stand, the people are looking specifically for local products. They are. We promote our local growing products very heavily here. When our season is on, they buy multitudes of whatever we have in season, whether it be lettuce, zucchinis, cabbages, all of those things. When it goes out of season, business drops on those items. Then hmm. people come and want to buy local, they want to buy Carpenito products and or local products. And local in the Puget Sound Basin. You create a lot of opportunities for people to come out and interact with farm life, with your produce market and nursery and pumpkin patch and corn maze and Christmas tree farm. Why are these parts of your business important to you? It ties people in with our with the local program. Like I once said, this local, I think, is real important for everyone. I think if you didn't use the word local, people would not pay attention to the idea of where their food's coming from. This local program that's been going on, we've been working at this for about 40 years, but the last six or eight has really taken off, getting local to work. And it's really done wonders. And now they can see Carpenito Brothers, well, I can get a head of lettuce there, or I can get 
bedding plants there, vegetable plants, or, mm-hmm. and and they can go to a menu at a restaurant and look at a menu and say, "Well, I had fresh kale." They'll, some restaurants will feature where they get some of their products. Right. They, it ties in Carpenter Brothers. On a menu, tar- ties in Carpino Brothers drive by, they can get a head of lettuce. And so you're so, seeing that a lot with the local restaurants, them supporting you with your produce. Yeah, some of the restaurants really do. They're really, they're smart. They get on identifying their vendors for some of the things, some of the specialty things for sure, or seasonal. And I think it's real important. It's supporting you, and it's also making things interesting for people who are out there dining out. They want to try new things or know where their food is coming from. So it's great to hear from you that you're seeing that on that level. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think this idea of seeing where their food comes is becoming more and more important. And and they try more. If they know it's local, they're more apt to try something than if it's just another item that's on the shelf from wherever, California or Mexico or whatever. They're, they tie into this local program. Connecting and supporting stakeholders in our regional food system is a focus of the Seattle Good Business Network through programs like the Good Food Forum and Seattle Restaurant Week, which is a sponsor of this podcast. And it has not been easy for farmers and restaurants. What are some of the unique challenges you face as a modern-day farming operation? The unique challenges lately, since the last couple of days, I hear that fertilizer prices for next year are are going through the roof. Oh, wow. We buy thousands and thousands of boxes for our produce. Mm-hmm. The prices are going through the roof. And it's we're experiencing shortages in different things we need, whether it be boxes. Box manufacturing cannot get the components to build the box, such as wax. Plastic items, if you need bags for produce, you're waiting on bags all the time now. Mm-hmm. Fertilizers... Are, we're away from the major areas that produce fertilizer, so where fertilizer gets shipped to, so it's a little more money for us to compete with that. Right. There, in our area, we do not have any custom farming done. We have to do everything ourselves. And if you go to a large area in California where there's large farms, there's custom operators that do multitudes of things for farmers. We don't have that ability to get that done in, in, our, in the Puget Sound Basin. So mm-hmm. those are the little challenges. And what about labor issues? Is that becoming a, a, an issue for you as well? Yes, labor is an important issue that's here to stay, that labor shortage has labor issues everywhere. Everybody's got the same story. Now we pay well over minimum wage and the bottom end of the wages are continuing to go up. The shortage of labor, shortage of people that want to work on a farm, that's been getting worse and worse. And I don't know the cure for that. We're proactive about paying good wages in, in our farm, mm-hmm. but we still got to get people coming to the door to do that. What's something a lot of people might not know about Carpenito Brothers? Let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> They may not know that that it's not a. It's my brother and I started the farm. Without it's not a old farm that's been a turn of the century farm. Somebody might think it's relatively. It's fifty years, fifty five years old. Mm-hmm. The farm is. It's not. If you go to some farm areas, you'll see these century farms. We're not that. We're 
we've developed a pretty good farm in fairly short amount of time, and we're we live local. We don't we're not we're at, not absentee farmers. We're on the ground every day ourselves doing. And I'm working every day. We're hands-on. And that's what you should be doing with this kind of farm. It's not set up for absentee ownership. Right. And uh, I don't know what else. People are, are, we have a lot of name recognition. At our own place here, you can come down to our own retail and you can buy uh, a yard of bark or head of lettuce or a dozen corn or flowers Mm -hmm. or that maybe and maybe people don't know we have all those different things of the seasonal nature. So we're broad based in that respect, and we also package bark and soil and in compost and manures in in packages and sell to the different chain stores and some through Charlie's Produce. Having built Carpenito Brothers into a success over a relatively short time, what do you attribute your success to? Working every day. <laughs> No substitute for being here (laughs) and having the vision to see where you want it to go. We've kind of had a vision for what we wanted to do. Working every day makes it happen. And maybe a little strong coffee to help make that happen. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Watch for part two of my interview with Mike Carpenito, where we move into the kitchen to get the field to fork focused treatment on three of Carpenito Brothers' popular seasonal crops, chards, kales, and hard squashes. We'll learn how they're grown, how to store and cook with them, and why they're being featured in dishes as part of Seattle Restaurant Week. To make sure you don't miss part two, go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. That's it for this episode of Field to Fork. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and be sure to share our show with your friends. Thanks again to our sponsors, Charlie's Produce and Seattle Restaurant Week for this chance to showcase the people of our local food economy who enrich all of our lives by bringing a passion for quality food to our culinary community. Field to Fork is a Made with Bacon production, all rights reserved. Interviews have been edited for brevity and clarity. I'm Keith Bacon. Thanks for listening.